Welcome to the Financial Leverage Point, hosted by John Iannucci, founder and CEO of ILG Private Wealth. In this podcast, we dive deep into the world of financially successful families. We offer candid advice on how to navigate the maze of strategies and products designed to protect, grow, and transition your wealth to your family, friends, and the causes you care deeply about. Join John and his guest experts as they unveil the crucial elements of comprehensive tax, estate, business succession, and financial planning. Strategies designed to give you sleep through the night confidence while maintaining a steady flow of wealth for you and your heirs. There are six possible financial storms in your future. John Iannucci tackled the first in the last episode of this podcast, and it is taxes. Well, this time he takes on life itself. I'm Patrice Sakora. John, let me guess. We're talking about folks who are concerned they will outlive their money, right? Right. Absolutely right. Patrice, in, in survey after survey, retirees or people approaching retirement have across generations reported that, you know, the greatest retirement fear they have is the fear of outliving their assets. And that can be due to poor planning or investment performance. But believe it or not, that that fear actually topped worries about trusting the wrong financial advisor, losing control of your assets in incapacity if you happen to become incapacitated, or even falling victim to scams, hmm. inflation, and, and, and all the other issues pulled by survey. Outliving your money is the largest concern that we consistently see with our new clients coming into ILG Private Wealth. And why? Why do you think that's the case? You know, I think, Patrice, what's happened is clients have gotten more experienced and they're beginning to realize because they've seen it happen to friends and family that a number of the old rules of thumb that were used by wealth managers in the past no longer apply to retirees today. People who thought they were doing the right thing, investing according to the rules, drawing according to those rules of thumb, ran, ran out of money before they passed. Hmm. All right. Talk to me about these rules of thumb. What do you mean? Okay. So I think the one that most people might recognize right away was that for decades, wealth managers would indicate that if you drew somewhere around 6% on your investments, that would allow you to continue to grow your investments and not outlive your money. But recent experiences taught us that the 6% drawdown rule is entirely too aggressive in retirement. Yeah. I think in 1994, the first article was published in the Journal of Financial Planning that concluded that really a safe assumption for a draw was actually around 4%. But to, to complicate matters, in recent years, analysts, I think, have realized that even a 4% rate of drawdown on your investments while in retirement can be devastating when you have a major market pullback or in a major negative adjustment in the market particularly if that pullback occurs in the first five years prior to retirement or the first five years right after retirement. And so consequently, I think what you're seeing retirement planners suggest today is that a safe distribution rate is closer to two and a half to 3% annually. Are they talking, they're saying two and a half to 3% annually because of an inflation level, or is that just what they think is safer? Yeah, that's, that's really not, has nothing to do with inflation. That's, oh, that's actually- cool them believing how much they can earn on your money, earn on your assets in order to be able to pay you two and a half to 3%, even in down conditions in the market and be able to rebound and not cause you to run out of money by overdrawing on your investments. John, that's not a lot of money. 3%. That's right. It's not. That's correct. Well, then what are some other factors contributing too? I think that 
the three most prevalent factors that we see are one, an increased life expectancy, the rising cost of long-term care. And I think the risk associated with what's known as sequence of returns. Mm -hmm. When it comes to life expectancy, I think that we've learned some really interesting lessons. And I think my mom's story is a perfect example of living way beyond your life expectancy. You know, my mother was first diagnosed at age 61 with very serious cardiac issues. And in fact, she had five arteries bypassed on an emergency basis at oh, age wow. 61, right? And eight years later, Patrice, she actually had three of those arteries redone. It was a cardiac redo. They had to bypass oh, those three arteries again. And since then, she's had two aortic valve replacements and five stints. And so <laughs> oh my gosh. Right. But here's the kicker. She just celebrated her 94th birthday. Mazel tov. Right. She lives alone at her home. My father passed away probably 13 years ago now. And fortunately for my mother, my father worked and was a member of the United Auto Workers. So he had a union pension plan. And so when he was choosing retirement options, I had the op opportunity to convince him to elect a joint and survivor pension option to make sure that if he predeceased my mom, there was still pension money coming out to support her lifestyle. And I helped him develop a plan to supplement, you know, his social security and his pension with various investments. But the odds of my mother living beyond her life expectancy were slim and none, if you can imagine. After all, her twin brother died of cardiac issues at the age of 42. And her younger brother died of cardiac issues around age 66. Oh my! Notwithstanding that, she's lived more than 33 years after her first bypass surgery and over 18 years beyond her expected life expectancy. Fortunately, she has a great retirement plan that we developed before my dad passed. And it continues to support her lifestyle and uh, is prepared to pay for long-term care should she need it. Well, how do you address these concerns with clients? Because these are definitely, we don't know how long we're going to live. Right, right. We don't. And so, you know, longevity risk is really when it comes to retirement planning, the risk of living longer than your life expectancy. And we refer to longevity risk as a risk multiplier, Right. I learned that phrase originally from the retirement planning expert, Tom Hegna. And living longer actually causes all of the other financial risks associated with retirement to be multiplied. Think about it. The longer you live, the more times you'll experience a market downturn. True. The longer you live, the more likely you'll see changes to the tax code, increases in healthcare costs. Imagine the increase in healthcare costs that my mother has experienced just since you know, age 78, which mm -hmm. was her life expectancy, right? So I think it's pretty plain to understand why Tom Hegna characterizes longevity risk as a risk multiplier. And you're also talking long-term care here possibly too. Right, exactly right, right. So in order to address those risks with our clients, we'd explain to them that what retirement planning experts have learned is that one of the primary keys to being happy in retirement is the creation of some level of guaranteed income, right? I explained to my clients, you don't live off of assets. You live off the income generated by those assets. They actually move from the accumulation phase when they're working and putting money away to save for the retirement to the decumulation phase. And, you know, another study in 2018 reported that the, the greatest benefits of having protected lifetime income 
are exactly that protection against longevity risk, peace of mind, and being better able to budget. Having a budget that you can count on of consistent income is really one of the keys to being successful in retirement. So we make sure that as they enter the decumulation phase, we develop a plan that maximizes their ability to spend, maximizes their ability to be certain in their spending capabilities each year, and then addresses and plans for longevity risk by planning, get this, to age 105. Our assumptions now are no longer 78, 82, 95. We actually plan each time we plan in retirement for our clients to live to age 105. Wow. All right. I, I understand the budget. I understand the, the um, guaranteed income. I think that would be wonderfully comforting mm -hmm. to know. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to bring up the I word again, inflation. Mm -hmm. It erodes right. what you have, even though right. it's guaranteed. It's, it's mm -hmm. hard to erode that. Right. So that's why you can't allocate all of your investable assets. You can't allocate all of your retirement plan to a guaranteed level income. That just wouldn't work, right? Inflation would cause your spending ability to be decreased every mm -hmm. year by the inflation rate. And I mean the actual inflation rate, not the inflation rate, you know, that's been presented, you know, and based upon the consumer price index. No, the actual inflation rate is much higher than that reported inflation rate. So you've got to allocate some portion of your retirement savings to equities, to the stock market, mm -hmm. so that you can actually out-earn inflation and provide an annual supplement to that guaranteed income every year to keep pace with and outpace inflation every year. So you're right on with respect to inflation. All right. Talk to me about implementing a plan for protected life income. Right. So that's where I think the rubber meets the road. The first thing I can tell our listeners is there, there simply is no one magic bullet it's important for our listeners to keep a really open mind when it comes to various products and strategies. And I'd say, look, avoid any wealth manager that are, either believes they offer the perfect product, you know, the life insurance or annuity product, and they want you to allocate all of your assets to that product, but also avoid the advisor that thinks annuities and life insurance strategies are completely out of the question. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the proper integration on a fiduciary basis of those various products and strategies that ultimately create the best consistently successful retirement plan. And we've got to maximize again, three important factors, sufficient level of guaranteed protected income for life or the joint lives of you and your spouse. Like I did with my parents, an appropriate degree of liquidity and flex flexibility, because it always happens. Something always arises where you need access to cash. So you need to be able to access liquid investments or cash to address those immediate needs. And then finally, you've got to have, like we just talked about, exposure to the stock market so that you can earn an additional level of income designed specifically to outpace inflation every year. Do you really see advisors out there saying, I have the perfect solution for you? Oh, God, this could be one of my <laughs> advisor podcasts. And the answer is absolutely yes. I do run in, into advisors with the perfect solution all the time. And let me give you an example. I, when I first started in financial services, I was affiliated with various life insurance companies and life insurance agents would always attempt to convince clients that their whole life, life insurance policy can solve all the world's financial ills. You know, there are literally armies of captive life insurance agents 
that take prospects through a well-crafted, visually complex presentation, right? Mm-hmm. Glitters and bounces and where at the end of the presentation, the only product in the world capable of delivering on all of those desired results is whole life, life insurance. And presentations usually go like this. What if there was one product that could protect you from market crashes, protect you with a guaranteed rate of tax sheltered income or growth, provide a significant level of tax-free retirement income and a possible solution for long-term care. And oh, by the way, when you die a huge death benefit, they never mention the word life insurance until the very end. And then at the end, they explain it's life insurance that can do all those things. And they fail to explain that it's also a very expensive life insurance policy that can do those things. All right. Well, how about annuities? Of course, there are armities of annuity agents out there that attempt to convince you that you should allocate all of your investable assets to a variable or a fixed annuity. And don't get me wrong. Unlike my friends at a lot of the large national wealth management companies, I think that when properly illustrated and conservatively designed and integrated into an expertly designed retirement plan, annuities are, in, are very, very good, excellent at generating guaranteed lifetime income. But all annuities have limitations, restrictions, costs, and expenses that have to be carefully analyzed. It's very important to understand both the benefits and the requirements of annuities, and they're very complex financial products. Now, why do they focus only on one product? Well, because that's where they make the most money. It's, um, it's interesting that not that long ago, one of the major largest life insurance companies in the world today issued a notice to its agents how uh, giving the agents basically a script to disclose the conflicts of interest that are present with respect to a captive agent. And they were trying to explain that I'm doing what's in your best interest, but oh, by the way, the products that I'm proposing to sell you are some of the highest paying commission products in the market. That in addition to high commissions, I receive all kinds of perks and benefits, including increases in my compensation, my retirement plan, all these different things. So, you know, it's like when all you have in your tool belt is a hammer, because that's all you've been given to work with, Mm -hmm. then you try to treat everything like a nail. And that's exactly what happens. You'll have annuity agents that are only licensed to sell life insurance and annuities. You have life insurance agents that are only licensed to sell life insurance. And so if that's all they can sell, it certainly cures all the world's ills. Is it that people coming in don't understand diversification? No, I don't think that's it. it. That's not it at all. I think that I think when a lot of people that entered the financial services business originally, they look around to see where they can join and who helped them get licensed and so on. It's these very same insurance companies and annuity companies that offer new professionals to the financial services industry the best opportunities to come in and be trained and be paid while they're trained. And so I think they have a, an excellent recruiting and training program for young people coming into the business. And as a result, they are trained on one sales strategy, one product, and the rest of the world doesn't matter. They, it's not really a question of diversification. Candidly, they don't even know that diversification exists. They're only allowed to sell these products and, and that's how it works. When do they wake up? Do they wake up? <laughs> Sometimes they do. Sometimes they wake up when they get sued. Sometimes they realize that 
um, when they really dig in, if they're really truly acting as a fiduciary, at some point they will dig into the financial aspects of whatever product they're promoting. And uh, they'll realize that it, it doesn't, it doesn't solve all of your needs in retirement. It doesn't solve all of your needs with respect to an estate plan. It's an excellent product. It can be integrated properly, but it's not something that your clients should be dedicating all of their resources to. And so those, those financial advisors who are really doing their job, really digging in, really acting as fiduciaries to their clients, eventually realize that you know it's not the end-all be-all. And what does a true fiduciary do? Well, you know, I think uh, a true fiduciary keeps an open mind and has the ability to access all of those products, all of those strategies, and has no preconceived notion of what it is they should be doing for their client. They actually will, will illustrate and understand the details of all of those products and strategies. And then they'll begin by combining them and integrating them. Well, you know, an annuity does a great job at creating a level stream of income, but that's not good enough. What else should I be doing? Okay, maybe I should be investing in certain stocks or bonds to supplement that income. A true fiduciary has access to and considers all of the different strategies and products. And there's no limitation or no, no, no preference with respect to how much compensation a true fiduciary makes with respect to a product or strategy. It's focused entirely on the client's needs and which combination of products and strategies best meets those needs. And then what's very important, I think, is to create at least several alternatives for the client to consider and to sit down with the client to explain in detail the benefits and the restrictions of each one of those strategies and plans and ultimately help the client decide. It's the client's decision. We're here, a, tr a true fiduciary is here to educate their client on all the various products. I have a very good friend down here, Joe Hickey, and Joe is a gourmet chef, and he had the privilege of training with Michelin-rated five-star chefs in the U.S. and France. Mm -hmm. And Joe learned how to combine various ingredients to arrive at the perfect blend of flavors and textures. And dinner with, when Joe prepares dinner is nothing short of amazing. <laughs> That's exactly what a true fiduciary does. A true fiduciary goes out and samples all the different products, all the different strategies, understands them in depth and in detail, and ultimately comes in with an integrated plan that considers all those different strategies to arrive at the best solutions for the client and then helps the client decide which one of those, you know, the client really wants to implement. You use the phrase sequence of returns, right? It scares me, honestly, because right. we don't have much control over that. I'd you like don't. you to explain that though. to, to sure. the And, you know, honestly, Patrice, that's an excellent question because sequence of returns risk is probably one of the most important risk factors to consider when planning for retirement. It's understood that when you're invested in the stock market, actual returns will vary you know, from year to year, depending upon what the market does. But understanding and assuming an average rate of return helps you, you plan. But once an investor retires, once, once they stop the accumulation phase and they begin taking distributions from the retirement assets in the decumulation phase, annual market returns become critically important. Significant market losses in the early years of retirement can shorten the longevity of that portfolio, even if better than average market returns occur in later years, mm -hmm. right? So 
it's this risk posed by the sequence of returns. In other words, when during your retirement do you experience downturns in the market becomes very important. And you will experience them. You will. It's a question of timing, and we have no control over that timing. So what you've got to do is design a portfolio with, with withdrawals to support your retirement income during those years and make certain that it's, it takes into consideration the possibility of investment losses on your portfolio during those early years. Because if you're drawing on your portfolio during down years in the market, it makes it significantly more difficult for that portfolio to recover, mm -hmm. especially when that, that downturn in the market occurs early in retirement. Or how can a retiree plan to avoid this sequence of risk? So there are a number of specific strategies designed to avoid market losses. Essentially, what you do is you create what we like to refer to as a volatility shield for a portion of your retirement assets. You know, incorporating a volatility shield provides you with the flexibility to draw on appropriate retirement funding depending upon market conditions. For instance... If your investments are up in a particular year, then it makes sense to draw down on those investments to supplement your retirement. What we've learned is when the market's down, you certainly do not want to draw from your investments. It makes it that much more difficult for them to recover. That's when you can run out of you know, investment assets, retirement assets. So when the market's down, you draw from assets that are specifically designed with downside protection. Right. So if the market's up, you draw from your investments. If the market's down, you draw from those products or strategies specifically designed to insulate your investment from market downturns. So you're picking and choosing each year where you receive your retirement supplemental income from. Okay. Do you have any examples of how the strategy works? We sure do. And if any of our listeners are interested in seeing how that sequence of returned risk can impact a client's retirement savings, we've got some incredible examples of how it impacts their overall retirement portfolio. We can show you examples of what happens if it happens early, late, before you retire, after you retire. We've got a special report that provides all of the details. And that report also demonstrates several strategies designed to mitigate the risk associated with sequence of returns because there's a number of different strategies that we incorporate. And so our listeners can contact us at wecanhelpyou.com and request a copy of that special report on the sequence of returns risk. It's free. There's no obligation. It's a free offer to our listeners that I'd love to send out to everybody to explain specifically you know, that sequence of return risk and how we can mitigate it. Okay. John, once again, tell listeners how they can reach you. The simplest way, Patrice, is to just go to the website, wecanhelpyou.com. There you can request copies of our books. You can request a meeting. You can request a phone conference with me. You can request copies of these special reports that we're all happy to send out to you with no cost, no obligation. Listeners, John has more possible financial storms to talk about. So make sure you like and follow this podcast to know when the next show is ready for you. Make sure you get John's special report too and share the podcast with others. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to the Financial Leverage Point. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. To contact John, check out the show notes where you'll find his contact information and useful resources from today's episode. Once again, thank you for listening.
The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of John Iannucci. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.